Hi, I'm Thomas with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Featherstone Nutrition. AKA Feathers. And it's starting to stick. It is. Oh, it is sticking. I keep getting people like, hey, Feathers, I got a question for you. I'm like, there it is. Nice. There it is. I love it. I was able to re I'm your parents got to name you and then I got to name you. <laughs> it's only a matter of time until I say, and it's feathers from Featherstone. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Oh yeah. So if you don't know why we're here, this is our bi-weekly podcast where we cover nutrition and running stuff and some foolishness we get into. So buckle up. Here we go. This one I'm excited about because it contains Something that I'm very fond of. Like I have two hobbies in my life. One is running and one is recovering from <laughs> drinking. I don't think that this counts as recovery. Okay, it doesn't count as recovery. Anyway, we're going to tackle some questions about alcohol and running and nutrition and how it affects the whole, um, I guess, biosphere of running and health and all that stuff. And also, uh, there was news this week, Feathers, that I wanted to cover because you push salt and now the FDA or somebody was like, hey, we got to, Americans are eating way too much salt. And I'm like, I'm finally feeling better because I am eating more salt. So maybe it's for a certain segment of the population they need to cut back on salt, you couch potatoes. And maybe <laughs> for us runners or active people, it's, a, it's okay. Let's, let's talk about the salt because I saw this and I've heard my whole life that, you know, basically salt is poison as a person who prefers salt over sugar. It, you know, that's disturbing. It's like they're hating on my people. And so I was like, why is salt so bad? Since I've been taking in more salt and hydrating and stuff, it seems like I'm performing better. Why is the FDA jumping in right now and telling people it's bad? So, you know, I think this is another good example of us runners, we like to feel special. We like to feel different. And this is another example of runners being special and different because we need more salt. And it all goes back to that we lose salt in our sweat. So to your point, Thomas, someone sitting on the couch who's not sweating, if they consume too much salt, some people end up with high blood pressure. There's also some studies that show if we consume too much salt, on a daily basis, it can like harden our arteries and we don't want hard arteries. It's not good for our cardiovascular health. But when we look at runners in particular, if we're losing all of this salt in our sweat, which, you know, if we look at the average salt loss for people who are super sweaty, right, it could be anywhere between one and two grams per hour. I mean, we're trying, the FDA is telling people to take in like 2,300 milligrams or less, but there's runners who are losing that in an hour of running in the heat in the summer. So if we're losing all of that and not getting it back, to your point, we feel crummy when we're running. We never fully hydrated until we get back the sodium that we've lost. So I've actually had quite a few clients come to me very confused by exactly what you're saying. Like I've been told my whole life, I'm not supposed to you know, take in too much salt. My mom has high blood pressure. My dad has heart disease. Like I'm trying to watch my salt and ending up in really bad shape trying to train over the summer and not getting in enough salt. Because if day in and day out, we're losing sodium from sweat, and then our diet, our daily diet is very, very low in, in sodium, like the very clean diets. I don't eat processed food. We're not just not getting enough in. And then people end up, you know, feeling horrific while they're trying to train through the summer. Okay. So I'm going to take a guess from here. We talk about when you're preparing to run for a marathon or getting, you know, to race day, you need to load up on carbs and carbs are now our friend again. Uh, those were said to be bad. And now we're, mm -hmm. we're saying, no, those are good for performance. And after the race, 
we cut down on some of the carbs that we're eating so that we can level back out because we're not expending that energy. I'm going to guess temperature, sweat, all that stuff is the same thing with salt. So as we go into the winter, maybe we don't need as many salty sports drinks. Maybe we don't need to supplement our salt intake just because we're not losing as much sodium through sweat. Is that correct? 100% correct. Yeah. Yeah. So we can lean off the scratch hyperhydration, the liquid IV, the LMNTs, all that stuff. Like we can probably relax on those types of things over the winter if we're not sweating as much. Now, if we're training on a treadmill and sweating buckets, like maybe not. Right. But, you know, to your point, yeah, the amount of salt we need is directly related to how much we sweat. Yeah. And I think because I'm lazy, I like to have like one rule for everything. It's like, okay, carbs are good. Carbs all the time. I will, salt is okay. Salt all the time. And now I'm realizing, no, I got to kind of adjust dials. And I that I, I don't love doing, but I get it. Adjusting dials is absolutely what it is, right? But the same thing with carbs. Like we scale them up with increased mileage. We scale them down during recovery. So same kind of thing with salt. Cool. So you're going to say the government is wrong. <laughs> we should eat some salt if you're running and sweating. I mean, the government's, the government's not wrong. It's just that like we said, I mean, runners are special. Like we're different. We have different rules. So before we dive into our listener question, let's talk about our sponsor, Inside Tracker. Thomas, what is Inside Tracker? Funny you should ask. Inside Tracker is an ultra personalized nutrition platform that uses blood work to create one of a kind science backed action plan to help you reach your potential for better performance and a longer, healthier life. Yeah, so they were founded in 2009, and the Boston company first started working with professional athletes who wanted to see what their biomarkers, hormone, and mineral profiles look like during their training and how they could use nutrition and lifestyle to improve. Get this, they measure over 30, 30 biomarkers and recommend food and supplements to optimize things like your energy, cognition, endurance, heart health, and more. And... The really great news for you all is for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off their entire store. Boom. Just go to insidetracker.com slash Yule. All right. Should we play our audio file from Tom? I think so. Because he's got a great voice. Let's do it. Hi guys, it's Tom here from Falmouth in Colmore in England. Um, I suppose this question is related to alcohol and running. Um, I'm not a massive drinker, but you know, sometimes through the week after a long day or over weekend, like a few beers or a glass of wine, um, as it's leading up to a big race, I tend to try and cut that back quite a lot. Um, I was just wondering whether or not I should be totally removing alcohol maybe a month out two weeks out or whether the odd beer after work's not really going to make that much difference i suppose kind of how much alcohol does it take to negatively affect race day performance that's it really thanks so much and thanks for a great podcast bye all right so his voice is lovely yes. i will agree with megan I, I he could be like Stuart little in a like if he was reading the voice in a book, I like it. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in right here and say, Hey, this sounds like a dial question again, just like salt and carbs. Yeah, I agree. And also let's all just go grab a beer with Tom. He sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Right, right. I think it's a dial thing. And then also, to me, there's not a more personal decision about whether you want to choose to drink alcohol or not. I think, you know, there's a lot of of movements with runners that no one should drink. Everyone should drink. Like, I think it should be people's own choice. Like we drink alcohol if we want to, but if we don't want to, we don't have to. So I think, you know, there's not a ton of studies on alcohol and runners because what research board is going to allow us to give people alcohol in a study? Like, it's just not something that we have tons of stuff of information on, like true research on. So we just kind of have principles as to like alcohol could affect us this way, that way, this way, or affect this. Um, but I think so much of it goes back to how we respond to it, right? We all have different tolerances to alcohol. We all have different, you know, thoughts about alcohol. So I think it's really important that we figure out what amount of alcohol impacts our training and where is that threshold and how, what are our quote unquote, I hate the word rules, but like, you know, kind of what rules are we going to hold of like, are there certain days we're going to drink or are there certain times we're not going to drink or are we going to take a look at this? Is this hindering our performance? Is it not? And I think there's no steadfast rule as far as you can only drink this much to be successful with your training because it's so personalized. It's so individualized. um, And that's something that maybe takes a little bit of trial and error if that's something you want to do while in a training cycle and just kind of play around with it. What about specifically his question about the timing of a race? So I know like I trained with, I worked with you and I ran my sub three and I was drinking not a lot, but throughout the whole training cycle. And I stopped the week before. Can can I take a stab at this one before we get the professional advice, just so I can see if I can guess it. Is there anything that shows that alcohol helps running? Do you, is there a benefit from drinking? Not that I have found, right? Is that there perhaps is not a benefit, which that's where a lot of people that say no one should be drinking while they're training are coming from. They're like, well, what is the benefit, Megan? Right? And you're right. Well, here, right research. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to disagree that there's not a benefit. I'm going to say that for some people who have nerves, anxiety, or uh, pre-race jitters and stuff like that, a glass of wine, a beer, a small amount of alcohol, if it relaxes you and takes away some of the negative energy that you're creating psychologically, and some people say don't use alcohol to treat, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. But we're not talk- I'm not talking about someone drowning their you know, denial of their life that they haven't done the training and then they drink 20 beers so that they're not worried about. I'm talking about a glass of wine, a glass of something that helps that person relax into the thing. I got to say there's, there's must, that would be the only benefit I could see to having maybe a, 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 you know, like I said, a, a glass of wine or a beer. Absolutely. And to kind of piggyback off that is, you know, one of the things that we have to talk about a lot with runners is just moderation. So moderation in our thought towards training, towards nutrition, towards alcohol, right? Like as Americans, we are very extreme on one ex- one side or the other of an equation. And I think alcohol can fall into that too, right? Like we don't have to completely cut out um you know, all quote unquote junk food when we're training, like there's room for all of these types of things. And if we keep some moderation in our life, we are usually happier, calmer, more stable people. And if moderation also includes some alcohol throughout our training, to your point, Thomas, like there shouldn't be anything wrong with including something like that. Yeah. And I will tell you this, after following Jordan Trope around 
Baltimore, Bo- uh, Chicago, and Boston, and seeing what the man eats and how he does nutrition, you're right. It, it really is individual because, I mean, he pretty much eats, like, I, I wouldn't consider it, it. How would you describe? You would not expect someone at his level to be so casually eating, like, all of Garden, Garden Subway, like, doesn't like, light and fit yogurt before his marathon. Like, none of it makes sense but it works for him yeah so, i'm so fascinated by this next time take me along and i'm going to like keep a journal of what he's eating and like you do some sort of you know it, it was pretty amazing like it like you see all these people stress about nutrition and and what they're eating what they're drinking before a marathon just see somebody be like well look i know i need carbs i'll just eat olive garden i like the breadsticks <laughs> i like the pasta like copious amounts and then yeah, it didn't seem like there was much concern. It was like when we talk about macros on the show, mm-hmm. it's more like, okay, I know this has stuff that will fuel my energy. It doesn't matter that it's not from Whole Foods and clean and organic mm-hmm. and all that. It's just like, you know, like you say, calories are calories kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I feel like it, you're right. There's no hard and fast rule as far as what's going to, you know, get someone to the start line in if, if having a beer or something makes somebody feel confident and strong getting to the uh, start line, I can't imagine one beer is going to ruin your day. Right. I totally agree. And I think, you know, back to Jordan for a second is he's a genetic phenom, right? And I, what I have found working with athletes of all levels is the more genetically gifted an athlete is, yes, they need to eat enough, but like, are they really going to get some crazy, crazy edge from like truly dialing in their nutrition? They're just genetically ridiculously gifted. Right. And then someone like myself, not that genetically gifted, I got to nail my nutrition if I want to try to keep up. Right. So I think it's just kind of interesting to see people at his level, which there aren't many at his level. Right. Um, But it's just crazy to see. Like when I was in my twenties, I didn't gain weight. uh, Nothing happened. It, you know, and then all of a sudden metabolism kind of shifted and things changed a little bit. So I also think to a certain degree, there's a, a blessing of youth. Right. And, you know, listening to you guys interview him, we train our bodies to be able to do X, Y, and Z. He's trained his body to eat a massive meal and go out and run, right? Because he couldn't eat all day in the OR. So he's yeah. trained his body to handle nutrition a little bit differently than maybe we would recommend but it works for him because he's used to it and i will say you as far as alcohol consumption goes you know that i pretty much take off the week before a marathon which isn't because i totally believe that like i need to go to church that week before and and be all saintly it's more the fact that if i did have a bad run i want to eliminate the what ifs yeah so if i can like i don't need a beer that week i don't need a glass you know a martini or something i'll just cruise through that week and you know it's one less thing to worry about leading up to the race right i mean running's mental right so whatever gets us in the best mental headspace leaning up to a race we do so to tom's question like do i cut out alcohol a week or two weeks before a race if that's what makes you feel your sharpest and feel your best then by all means let's do it right but if a couple glasses of wine, you know, a few days out from your race spread out, you know, is 
what gets you in the best mental space, then there's probably nothing wrong with that either. I mean, I always recommend like maybe we don't drink the night before. Like you said, some people have one to help like calm nerves. So if yeah. that's your thing and you're used to it, that's fine. But, you know, I think we're just careful because it is a diuretic, right? It can cause dehydration. So if we've worked our tail off to get ourselves to retain some fluid and sodium and carbs, like let, maybe let's not do anything to negate that. Um, but again, I mean, I think it's just that mental piece of it too. Meg, what was your pre-race before we started working with Featherson or Feathers? Uh, what was your pre-race ritual? It was the worst. I would have two to three glasses of wine and a burger before my marathons. Stop. Wait, I don't think I knew that. <laughs> a lot of times I would drink less than Megan, which is the opposite of most times I would drink less than Megan the night before a marathon where she might have two or three glasses of wine. I'd, I'd have like one beer, maybe two beers. Was it chilling out your nerves? Do you think that's why you did it? Oh, it's 100% why. Yeah. So it worked for that. Um, but I think we know now it, the dehydration factor clearly played a role. And yeah, so why were you getting leg cramps? <laughs> I eliminated that for that exact reason. And then we didn't get leg cramps. So, I mean, yeah. that was a piece of it, right? There were other things we played with. Sure. But yeah. yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was, it's all those little things that come together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we were talking before we started recording about how a couple studies came out recently saying that athletes and specifically runners tend to be drinkers, heavy drinkers. Um, why do you think that is? Yeah, it was actually really crazy. Looking at this research study, it was saying that the more highly fit you are, the more likely you are to be a moderate to heavy drinker. Like they actually used people's VO2 max when they were looking at this. So they were literally looking oh, at wow. how fit people were and how this compared back, which I thought was like totally fascinating. So fit women are twice as likely to drink and fit men are 63% more likely to drink more. So, I mean, that's huge, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a couple, you got to, how many factors are in here? If you're extremely fit, you're probably social. You like going out. You're probably going to go drink when you do that. Also, I think a lot of people get into fitness so that they can have their drinks and have their foods that they want. So it all kind of adds up together that, you know, you, you work out in excess. You maybe drink in excess. You kind of live in excess. Yeah. And, you know, when you look at this research, they have kind of two theories. And one of the theories was, is it like I did something, quote unquote, good for myself so I can have something, quote unquote, bad. So there was that thought. So kind of what you're saying, Thomas. But then the other thought that I, I tend to think this is the reason more is they've looked at personality traits. So the type of people that are good athletes or are good runners and then the type of people that tend to like to drink. And what it found was that these people had a higher level of sensation seeking traits. So maybe it's more so like an innate trait of things that if you really like to run absurd distances at absurd paces, you really like to drink alcohol, you know, like they just kind of go hand in hand. I I think my deterrent or from drinking is probably related to sleep. Like I feel like I know I don't feel as rested if I drink the night before. And I know through going mar through marathon training, like how that not only affects your running, but just like the rest of your day and like your productivity. So I know there is no like great studies on alcohol and running performance, but in general, what does alcohol do to our running? And then 
if we are gonna be drinking, like how can we fit it into our training? Like what days are a hard no and what days are maybe okay? Right, and I think, you know, it's good to, we're joking around about alcohol and stuff, but I mean, it is good. Like there are some negative things from it that we want to be aware of, right? So to your point, sleep. So we're we don't get as restful of sleep. Like obviously we all probably know if we drink, we fall asleep really fast, but like the quality of sleep is kind of crummy. So to your point, you wake up feeling crummy, feeling unrested. Um, I think one of the biggest things for performance, especially over the summer is dehydration. So we know the higher the alcohol content in whatever we're drinking, the more likely we are to become dehydrated. It's a diuretic. We're going to lose some of the fluid that our body was already hanging on to when we drink that alcohol. So, you know, if we've got a big workout, if we've got a long run the next day, if it's going to be in the heat, like we're going to feel more dehydrated if we've drank the night before. So, you know, just trying to stay on top of that. Or then if we're drinking after a race from a recovery standpoint, we're already dehydrated. Now we're drinking. We need to drink a ton more fluid to make up for those losses. So just kind of understanding the sleep, the hydration. There are some studies that if we drink after exercise, it decreases muscle protein synthesis. So that's a fancy word for recovery. So like our muscles aren't going to recover quite as quickly if we're drinking heavily after running, right? If we're having a cocktail or two, I mean, I don't, I have not seen research to show that that necessarily decreases that recovery. It's just like heavy drinking. Um, and then there is some studies too to show that if we're drinking post-race, we're probably not eating well post-race, which means we're delaying recovery from like a glycogen, you know, resynthesis standpoint and those types of things. So I guess, you know, all of these things, yes, could potentially add up to be very performance tanking. But if we're cautious about understanding these pieces and timing it right and eating enough and staying hydrated, we're gonna minimize those effects to our training and figure out how we can fit this in if this is something we still want to do while we're training. We made it so that I never had a drink a night before a long run or a night before a hard workout. And then we limited it to like two nights a week. So it was sort of up to me when to place it in there. Um, but is that pretty much what you recommend for everyone? We do. I think we need to be strategic with it when we're in a training block, when we're in a training cycle. Like if if alcohol is important and we want to keep it in, right? Where do we put that in? So if we don't drink the night before a big workout, if we don't drink the night before a long run, we're going to be setting ourselves up for better success and performance during that. And that's when it matters. That's when we're gaining the most fitness. You know, if we go in dehydrated without enough sleep and feeling crummy, like our form's probably going to fall apart, you know, would that increase injury risk? I don't know, maybe, you know, so it's just being kind of strategic about when we're consuming alcohol, just so that we're setting ourselves up for success. All right, guys, jumping in here to remind you about our sponsor, Inside Tracker. So if you're listening before you know already, they measure over 30 biomarkers and recommend food, supplements to optimize things like energy, cognition, endurance, heart health, and more. And for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash fuel. Do it. Okay, let's transition a little bit from alcohol to junk food because that was the other question we got. Um, and it was sort of like how or is it okay to include junk food in your in your training? And like, will it derail you or is there a way to strategically eat junk food? So, yeah, I mean, junk food is like 
each person defines that for their themselves, right? You know, so I don't think there's any, but yeah, to you guys' point, you know, more of the highly processed, highly palatable, little Debbie snack cakes and uh, fast food and all that kind of stuff. Um, and again, I think, you know, the thing that this has in common with alcohol is moderation. So, you know, as boring and womp womp as that word is, you know, I really think it, nothing should ever be eliminated unless we're allergic to it. So when people are saying like, I can't eat this or I can't eat that, you know, I, I get really concerned. Right. So there's a lot, again, a lot of runners that are very black and white with their thinking. Um, and you know, in the long term, that's not the best strategy. So I really try to get people to, all right, what are some of these foods that maybe we'd classify as quote unquote junk food um, donuts that you <laughs> donuts, right. That you like. And if those are things that we want to figure out how to include, then let's include them. Otherwise you're going to face plant in a dozen donuts and eat them all and feel ill if you don't let yourself eat them for your 12 week training cycle. So, you know, I think it's important to know, like, I don't want people carb loading on donuts, right. Cause they're so high in fat and not enough carbs, truthfully, to really get the job done, you're just going to feel ill and then you're not going to get enough carbs. So, you know, if you want a donut, then eat it after, right? So that you're enjoying the donut, but it you're still getting your carbs in beforehand. Um, or, you know, I have a client that runs to the pushes two kids in a double stroller to the bakery every weekend and they all pick out what they want and they run home and they have it, you know, it's like a social thing for them. It's like fun. It's like an activity that they do together. Um, and you know, I think it's things like that, that like you just make it fit in, but you're strategic about it. So, you know, it's not something that we're doing every single meal, you know, obviously that's going to derail our <laughs> final goals, <laughs> but you know, if it's something that is part of our lifestyle and we really enjoy and it makes us happy, who cares if it's not the healthiest food, if we want to include it, sometimes we include it sometimes. So does it make sense to think that this junk food that we're eating should be sort of as far away from our workouts and runs as possible. So like we don't want to eat them right before and we don't want to eat them right after our runs, but like, you know, a dessert after dinner or something like that. Yeah, no, I think that's a good way to put it for sure. Because, you know, we, we've talked about the intentionality of what do we eat the night before? What do we eat right before? What do we eat right after to recover? And, you know, if we're trying to dial those things in, we might need to be more intentional about what we're choosing to make sure we get enough protein, we get enough carbs, um, and then enjoy some of those, you know, things at other times. I think that's probably a good recommendation. Um, I say probably because my last training cycle we used to get this Lucci's pizza that was in Kent and it's like the best pizza ever. It's like um, New York style pizza. So it's like the thin crust. So there's not yeah. a ton of cheese. So it's not super greasy, but like a decent amount of carbs, right? We used to get that after swimming lessons for the kids every Friday. So I ate that before every single long run for 12 weeks, you know, and it was great because it was mostly carbs. So I guess some people might say, oh, that's junk food. It's pizza, but it worked great. You know, it wasn't too high in fat. It was lots of simple carbs. You don't really need protein the night before you want the carbs. So it worked. Um, so I guess, you know, it's just trying to make sure you're getting what you need. Someone needs to make a sport ice cream. I think that's probably what they call halo top, but that stuff is junk, man. Ooh. Oh, but yeah, you, you know what? Tried that? Yeah, yeah, we were into it for a while, but here's the thing is like $5 a pint. It's so expensive. And, and that was with a coupon. And it kind of had like a weird, um, like that fake sugary taste. It does. There's sugar yeah. alcohols and artificial sweeteners. and. Um, okay, let's run through a few of these questions that people wrote in to you. I think you can probably answer most of these pretty quickly. Does beer help with recovery? Probably not. 
Thomas, you can lend your advice. It makes recovery much easier to get through. <laughs> they, wait, they actually did do a study on this where they compared electrolyte drinks, water, milk, and I think beer was in there. Yeah. And as long as it was like under 4% alcohol, I think it actually did stimulate glycogen resynthesis and it was it had but it had to be like a lower alcohol percent beer um if i pair junk food with a healthy meal are we in the clear well that's a vague question because that's like did you eat a box of kentucky fried chicken (laughs) with uh, some asparagus (laughs) like what is the what is this pair that one's a little too vague you know i think probably what they're going for here is um like if we eat like a handful of skittles by themselves going to shoot our blood sugar up and drop it right and maybe that's not going to leave us feeling very good but like if we ate a handful of skittles at the end of dinner we probably wouldn't feel that way so i i'm thinking that's what they meant um if you've got a handful of skittles here's what's happening you're eating your healthy meal and then afterwards you're going to the cupboard and you're like oh, that's some skittles <laughs> who has skittles in their house <laughs> i guess a lot of people with halloween coming up why <laughs> why does my body crave sugar on rest days I know this one. What is it, Thomas? I think that we have carb depletion and your body is like, hey, let's get carbs in there. The fastest way that we can get those is a sweet tooth. So you go, boom, I want that. I also think it's funny when I first started cutting back on alcohol, I found the nights that I wasn't drinking, I would crave sweet stuff. So I think it was trying to replace that insulin bump I was getting from either the alcohol or something like that. Am I close? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. So I was going to say, if you're craving sugar like crazy at any time in your training cycle, you're probably not eating enough carbs. So you're absolutely right. That's kind of our body's response to like underfueling. So when people say like, oh, I can't eat sugar, it just, you know, makes me want it more and makes me crave it more. It's probably not actually the sugar. It's probably that we're not eating enough um, carbs in particular. And then it's interesting you say that. So one of my old coworkers was actually a dietitian in like a rehab unit, like almost like a house where like females went after they were out of, you know, rehab. And she said they all used to spend all their stipend money on candy that there was, they had like a very high, you know, palate for sweets. And they always wanted like sweets and things like that, um, to replace the alcohol or the drugs or things like that. So there has to be something to that. Yeah. I'm not a sweet person. Like I said earlier, Mm -hmm. I I, I'm a savory guy. Um, and it's funny when I cut back on alcohol or like say I'm taking a week off or whatever, I notice that I, I do start to crave more sweet Um, I'm training for a half marathon and eat close to 300 to 360 grams of carbs daily. However, since I started trying to eat a little more because I'm being in peak week, I've noticed I've been craving carbs more than I ever had before. So I've been eating them. Is that normal? Why would I crave more carbs when I think I'm eating enough? Yeah. And I mean, honestly, probably we need more or a timing perspective. Like maybe we're going too long without eating and then eating tons of carbs, right? So it could be a timing, like distribution of energy throughout the day. But truthfully, if you're like nailing timing, eating enough before, eating enough during, eating enough after, and you're still having those cravings, you know, if if we're getting enough protein, right? If everything is kind of dialed in in our nutrition, then our body's telling us we're not getting enough to support the intensity and the mileage that we're running. So yeah, absolutely eat more. I think that's why sometimes numbers can be dangerous because it like makes a sec- second guess what our body's trying to tell us. Um, but yeah, lean on, lean on what our body's telling us and you'll stay healthier and run better. I like this question. 
Are there, quote, better alcohol choices? I get that question a lot. And honestly, like, we drink what we enjoy drinking. So I have a lot of people who love craft beer and they want to lose weight. Craft beer is like a caloric bomb, right? You know, there's yeah. like four, five, six hundred calories in a 16 ounce craft beer. I mean, they're unbelievable. So, I mean, if we're drinking three of those, like we're probably going to have trouble changing our body composition. But at the same time, if that's we only like craft beer, then maybe we just drink less of what we like, even though it's a caloric bomb. Um, or, you know, same thing. Some people love seltzers. Cool. Right. But, you know, like let's not drink six of them. Um, so I think it's just trying to figure out what we like. I mean, a lot of people want to know see that. what's the lowest. Say, That's crazy because you can drink as much tequila as you want. Like it doesn't have a lot of calories. You you can do whatever you want, Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> tequila. I love it. You, you could have one craft beer or a bottle of tequila. It's up to you. Exactly. It's equal. <laughs> not, yeah. not not an alcohol, but uh, yeah. In calories. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, people, obviously, if you mix liquor with like a non-caloric beverage or drink it straight you know that's going to be lower in calories a lot of people do like light beers or seltzers or wine because that is lower in sugar than like mixed drinks so you know there's obviously all of that if we're looking at like total calories um but truthfully i think it's just being mindful of the amount and then what you like because if you don't like what you're drinking you're probably gonna drink more right like same thing with dessert like just eat what we want and we're gonna eat less and be satisfied and move on so kind of same concept with alcohol I like this one too. They wrote, red wine helps me recover. Tell me it's true. <laughs> Thomas, did you submit that one? <laughs> no, I, I actually, I, w- I would have gone for Tito's. But, um. <laughs> Tito's helps me recover. Um, I mean, I just want to say it's true to make him happy, truthfully. No, I mean, again, the amount, right? Like a certain amount of it with good hydration, good food is absolutely not going to, you know, monopolize our recovery okay a couple more questions and then we'll wrap this up how do you negate the effect of dehydration from alcohol water (laughs) i had a client who was putting um was it noon or liquid iv with her tequila on the beach for a vacation one time and i was like well at least we're working on that hydration (laughs) Uh, i did uh tailwind and vodka one time and that was pretty good is there like a rule like um, for every drink we have, we should drink, I don't know, so many ounces of water? Yeah. No, I think that's it. I remember we were talking about this before and I was trying to look up like exactly how much fluid we lose from alcohol and it was kind of hard to find. But um, I mean, typically we say if we alternate, so like for every drink we have, if we try to have like six to eight ounces of fluid in between, that can help. And then, you know, too, if we're really trying to rehydrate quickly, the sodium helps. So that's why there's so many higher sodium electrolyte drinks out right now. So if you could do add, you know, something like that in, that would help rehydrate you even faster. And don't forget the IV bags that we talked about. Yes, true. The There's always thing, those. Did you guys see that Pedialyte has come out with like a sports Pedialyte? I don't know if that's new or I did if see it's, that. it's been around, but I know that people have been using that to rehydrate and uh, cure mm-hmm. hangovers for a while. So it's interesting that it's Pedialyte sport. It's, it's one of those times where you're like, you should rebrand to change it. Like it shouldn't be Pedialyte anymore. Right. But I think because they have a strong market of people that are like, I use Pedialyte to rehydrate. They're like, yeah, okay, uh-huh. great. It's funny you say that. I noticed they had that at our gas station this week. Like when I went in to get some to drink, um, I was like, oh, Pedialyte. Did you get it? Gas station. No, but I will next time. Let you know how it tastes. I just looked it up. 
while we were talking, and they have some bold claims on here. Bold? What are they? It will rapidly rehydrate with advanced science. Mm, I love drinking science. <laughs> Wait, you know what that rapid rehydration science is? If we have sodium and sugar with our water, we absorb it faster. You guys already all know that. Yeah. I like there's, it. There's 490 milligrams of sodium in a bottle. So that's pretty high, yeah. right? How big's the bottle? 12 ounces. 12 ounces. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty high. That's more than scratch. Yeah. All right. So let's let's wrap this up with Tom's question being sort of the center and you know, do you need to give up drinking during training and or before a race? What Or how soon? What can you just a quick little summary? I think we need to take into consideration our own alcohol habits, right? And are these helping or hindering? retooling those for training. And then I do think that we should proactively cut back leading into a race. So whether that's a week out, two weeks out, I think some people even do a month out, um, you know, but just thinking about like, again, mentally, how do we feel our sharpest? How do we feel our best? And what does that look like? And really just trying to stick to that for, you know, better performance, better sleep, better hydration and all those types of things. But, you know, I think everybody probably sees from our point, we don't think, you know, unless you want to cut back or cut out alcohol that you shouldn't feel like you have to um, from a performance standpoint. All right, perfect. Tom, thank you for your question. And, Thanks to everyone and listening. And your lovely voice. And your lovely accent. Um, if you have a question, you can go to the Anchor app and send us an audio file, or you can email us at fuelforthesoulpodcast at gmail.com. All right. We'll see you all in two weeks. Bye, Cheers. feathers. <laughs>